Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, All motivation, right, well, I have body image, very confidence, exciting and other wellness Coming wisdom. back on the show, I invited Lauren, my co-coach, to do another episode with me because our first episode was so well-received that we decided to do it all over again. So Lauren, welcome back. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I love having you on the show. I do think, I know we talked about this last time. We have to make this like Lauren comes on as a guest every month or something because people are just getting to know you. And I feel like they need to see more of you and hear more of your voice. Count me in. I'm in. I love it. So our first episode, I honestly forget what number it was, maybe 140 something. We talked about the characteristics or the traits of our most successful clients. And we shared that with all of you because we want you to be successful at reaching your big, powerful goals. And we decided to do the reverse of that this week. So we are going to talk about the biggest stumbling blocks that we see clients navigating. And not only are we going to tell you like the worst things that can possibly happen, but we're going to tell you how to overcome those barriers because that's what we do. That's what we're all about. So once again, Lauren and I have not communicated about our list. I'm really curious to see what similarities we have and what we thought of. So Lauren, I will let you kick us off. What is one of the biggest stumbling blocks in your mind? Okay. I have a lot of notes, but the very first thing that came to my mind, and I don't think this will surprise you, Nicole, is falling victim to all or nothing mindset. Oh, number one on my list too. Number one. It's so common. You let one tiny little hiccup or disruption in your plan spiral into a whole day or a whole weekend or several days or months or whatever it is. And and you just give up instead of putting forth just a little bit of effort and just making the best, the next meal a little bit better, the next bite a little bit better, the next day a little bit better. And yes, getting rid of that all or nothing mindset has got to be number one. It's the fastest way to fail, all or nothing thinking. And I think it's because it just constantly keeps us on that hamster wheel of, I'm expecting to do this perfectly. I'm going to follow this meal plan to a T. I'm going to work out every day this week, whatever the too lofty goal is. And then we can't do that. Obviously, we're not perfect. We're not robots. So then we get so frustrated and we feel defeated and we feel like we're epic failures. And then we feel like we have to start all over again because we didn't build in humanness to the plan. We didn't make it flexible or give ourselves permission to mess up and then just pick right back up with the next choice. So then we just do it over and over and over again, and we actually get nowhere. So no surprise that is on both of our lists as the number one barrier. Yes, absolutely. This is so hard because I'm an all or nothing thinker, a recovering oh, me too. thinker. How do you think we help clients to overcome this? Because I would say most of our clients struggle with all or nothing thinking at some point. Yes. I think the number one thing to focus on is, first of all, you have to let go of that expectation of perfection because, and I think expecting to fail sometimes or expecting things not to go exactly as you plan them is key. Like you have to expect the unexpected. And instead of focusing on hitting every single goal, every single day, you focus on consistency over the long term. 
I actually like, like if you want to like keep a consistency tracker, like in an app or like physically in like a journal or something, and you can see if you are 80 to 90% consistent, that's, that's where you want to be right there. That's going to get you results without getting stuck in that have to be perfect type mindset. Yes. We're big on tracking compliance. And I think what you said is everything. Have an expectation that you're not going to be 100% compliant. You're not. Nobody is. Nobody (laughs) is. That's the expectation. You're going to set yourself up for so much disappointment. But if you set yourself up to be 80-ish percent compliant, that's attainable. But you also then get to track how consistent you are over time and see, hey, I don't have to be 100% compliant to see results. I'm getting results and I've been 80% compliant, which is awesome because I still get to live my life. I think it teaches... When you focus on like consistency over that perfection, I also think it teaches you how to deal with like things like the holidays, like how to deal with Christmas without completely falling off track, how to deal with vacations without falling off track completely. And it just gives you that more balanced way of living. That's really sustainable long-term. It's funny you mentioned expectations and maybe this should have been the same, but number two on my list was having unrealistic expectations. And I think this is also where all or nothing thinking comes in, but it can be, I mean, even if you don't struggle with extremist black and white thinking, expecting that you're going to follow your menu for the week without a hiccup or expecting that you're going to lose one to two pounds per week as like a super busy working mom. Like those may be realistic for someone, but it's probably not realistic for most of us. And if we set the bar so high, we are going to fall short of it. And then we feel so let down and we are discouraged from trying again, or at least I know I am like, I hate failing. I don't know anybody that really loves it, but if I set a more attainable goal, that's still somewhat of a stretch, but much more, I feel much more confident about it. When I reach that goal, I feel like a badass. And then I'm like, okay, bring on the next thing. Yes, I can do this. And then you get to progress so much faster because it's not fail, try again, fail, try again, but it's very incremental building of confidence and ultimately of progress. So I would add that sort of as like an addendum. Yes, I agree a thousand percent, especially what you just said about like confidence, because if you are setting those really high expectations and failing to meet them, you're going to internalize that as something's wrong with you, that you aren't capable and you're going to give up at some point. I had something similar on my list. Um, I use some of your language. Um, I had like people who expect quick results instead of practicing their patient muscle, their patient's muscle. (laughs) Yes. So you have to learn to be patient. This is going to take longer than you want. There's just no getting around that. Everybody wants it to happen really quickly. It's not going to happen overnight. You have to put in the work consistently, not perfect, but consistently and really kind of flex that patient's muscle for sure. Which is definitely something we talked about in our first episode together is our most successful clients are super patient and understand that like the process may not look exactly like how they planned it to. That doesn't mean that the process is bad or wrong. It just means it is different than what they originally expected. So it makes sense that the obvious would be one of the biggest barriers is not having any patience. Yeah. What was next on your list? All right. Next on my list. Oh, um, failing to plan ahead. I think if you are going to go into a day or a week or a weekend thinking you can wing it and do really, really well, you're already setting yourself up to fail. There has to be some kind of a plan and sure it can be flexible. I hope that it is that you can kind of be flexible with it and switch what needs to be changed around and kind of go with the flow. But if you don't have, if you're not grocery shopping on the weekends to, you know, set yourself up for a successful week, if you're not having some idea of what you're going to eat day to day, 
then you're just going to be stuck getting hungry, grabbing what's ever convenient and not being able to prioritize those more goal supportive foods. So failing to plan is a huge one too. Yep. And I would echo that on mine. I had being reactive versus proactive, which I think Mm -hmm. is just two different ways of saying the same thing. So when I think about what allows me to be most successful, it's habit because I was proactive about setting up behaviors and decisions. So for example, I meal plan most weeks because it's a habit. I just do it every Saturday. I exercise three or more times a week because it's on my calendar. I proactively pencil it in. I make mostly goal-supportive choices because they're prepped and already available in my fridge. (laughs) So it's hard to say no. I get an active amount of steps every day on average, because walking my dog in the morning and in the evening is just what I do. Like again, it's habit. So I think those of us who systematize and streamline our behaviors, because we know we need to execute them to get to our goal. We have so much of an easier time creating results because they don't require decisions to be made in the moment. Like I don't have to force myself to meal prep. I do it because I know it's going to help me for the week. I don't have to force myself to exercise. Actually love how it makes me feel, but that's beside the point. I do it because it's so habitual. And I think we can't get there unless we have a plan and proactively say, Hey, here's the version of me I want to become. And I have to start showing up as her today rather than being like, ah, I'll see what I feel like in the moment. No, in the moment, you're going to be like tired. Decision fatigue is a real thing. And you're only going to be able to act as your current self, which means we're not going to be able to create that change that you want to see. So absolutely planning and living more proactively versus just reacting to your circumstances is huge. And I think a lot of people, like I'm a pretty structured person and I think, oh, that's not like flexible or spontaneous or whatever. But to me, it gives me more freedom because I know when I'm going to get my workout in. I know what I'm going to have for dinner most nights and breakfast and lunch and snacks because I meal plan out that way. Um, And to me, it gives me more freedom because like you said, there's so much less decision fatigue, which is absolutely a real thing. By the end of the day, you're just exhausted. And it gives you structure in your day to do then what is important to you and what do you like to do? And you don't have to think so hard about oh my gosh, I'm only at, you know, 2000 steps for the day, or I have no idea what I'm going to eat for dinner. It it truly does make your life easier. I like very strongly believe that. Yeah. The return on investment is there tenfold. Oh yeah. I think I also have heard that before, like, oh, I like to be more spontaneous or I'm not a planner. (laughs) And I think, first of all, that's a learned skill. (laughs) So you don't have to see a planner. You can learn to embrace planning, but it does give us so much more freedom and spontaneity and joy, or at least it does me, I'll speak for myself, surrounding those choices that maybe I've planned to enjoy out. So like a meal out or a fun food and beverage, that that means so much. And I love it. And I can choose whatever I want and feel fantastic because most of the time circling back around to consistency, I do have that plan in place that leaves me feeling really good. So then those off occasions where we're going out to eat or we're enjoying ice cream or whatever your fun food of choice is. It allows me to be so free in that choice. I could not agree more. I always kind of, I'm a big like weekend planner too. Like just mentally looking ahead, preparing. I was just telling you, I have a really busy weekend coming up and I already know, okay, I know that I might have one glass of wine at this outing and I'll probably skip the other stuff because you know, that's not quite as worth it to me, but I know I really want to enjoy myself and my friends at this one party. So I'm going to, and to me, that gives me that freedom to, like you were saying, like I can just relax and enjoy the the moment with my friends and my kids 
and then, you know, still stay on track with my goals and how I want to feel my best by the end of the weekend. And here's something else too, Lauren, like, as you were saying that I was thinking plans don't go to to plan perfectly. Right. So if you have this plan, chances are life is going to like throw it off a little bit, but then you still have the the core plan. So you're less likely to be completely derailed. But if I have no plan and then life throws all these curveballs at me, it's like a free for all. And then I feel so out of control with my food choices and I, I feel uncomfortable in my body perhaps. So having a plan at least gives you this really strong template, a strong foundation. And then even if again, like things have to change or ebb and flow, that's fine. But you still have a really good launch pad to start from. Yeah. And like you said, you learn as you go, like, like it's a learned skill, like anything else, you just keep practicing it and you get better and better and you learn from the failures and just keep moving forward. Yes. Which we talked about in our first episode, all failure is feedback. So that's something definitely, (laughs) definitely a skill that we need to embrace and adopt if we want to be successful. What's another roadblock that you have seen stand in the way of success? People who want to go all in right away, 100%, they're never going to have sugar again. They're never going to have alcohol again. They're going to eat all low carb instead of, and they're going to work out, you know, six days a week instead of taking those smaller, more realistic steps. I guess that kind of goes in line with what we were saying, like having too high of expectations. But if you think you're going to change your whole lifestyle in a week, then you're, again, just setting yourself up for failure. You have to set those smaller, more sustainable goals that feel easy at first, and then you can build on them. Because I I really do think that people wait for motivation to start to come before they act, when really if you act and you start to see some results and you feel better, then that's going to snowball into some motivation too. So those smaller baby steps are, are hugely helpful in getting started without that feeling of overwhelm, And without that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I could never do this forever. I have to quit. And we could even call that one like a huge roadblock is waiting for motivation to take action. Oh yeah. Because motivation, I mean, the, the best way I have come to describe it is equating it to lust. So when you see someone that's like super beautiful or really handsome, or just like you connect eyes and you get that like warm gooey feeling inside your chest, that's awesome to feel that way. But then like, Maybe you go on to, you know, get married to this person and you still love them. But like some mornings you wake up and you're just like, I need some space from you today. (laughs) I love my husband dearly. I'm not throwing him (laughs) under the bus, but like the lust isn't there all the time. Right. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just like, Hey, I love you. We're doing this thing together because we made a commitment. I don't always feel that gooey, warm center feeling. That's motivation. I'm, I might feel awesome about cutting out sugar, cutting out booze or exercising six days a week for a hot minute, but then life is going to happen and that feeling is going to go away. And if I don't have any commitment underlying it, because I just wanted to go all in, then I'm going to crumble. Well, and motivation's a feeling like we have no other feeling 100% of the time. I'm not happy or sad or angry or whatever. A hundred percent of the time, it all comes and goes because I'm a human. So motivation is the same. It's just a feeling. So if you're relying on that feeling, you're, you're not going to be successful because it's not always going to be there. Sometimes you just have to, you know, kind of sit down and and do the work and kind of feel uncomfortable and, and feel unmotivated, but do it anyway, because you know, those long-term results are are really what you ultimately want to, to reach that goal. And I think that almost ties back into reactive versus proactive because Mm -hmm. waiting for motivation, that's reactive. Like that's the definition of reactive. If I only paid my bills or brushed my teeth when I felt like it, 
I, I wouldn't be very successful at those two things. Right. So we have to be proactive and say, Hey, I know that I might have this urge January's coming up to like strip everything out of my diet and go hardcore in on like no carb, or I don't know what people do these days, but like crazy 30 day programs. And I have to say, wait a second, if I'm thinking about my future self and I want sustainability and longevity and not just intensity, that's very short lived. How can I plan for that? So how can I plan for the first time that someone gives me sugar after I committed to eating less of it? How can I plan for a day when my body really needs a rest day and I'm not going to get my workout? I think that making sure that we have the long game in mind is what's going to make us successful. And only thinking about that like intense, short, strict, rigid rule focus, like that's a death sentence for sure. When you were just talking about that, I I didn't have this written down, but it just popped in my brain as another kind of like roadblock into success. And that is giving into immediate gratification versus more like waiting for that long-term, you know, satisfaction of reaching the goal. Like, of course the ice cream is going to taste good in the moment and you can have ice cream occasionally. Right. But we all know that if you're eating ice cream every single night and you have a body composition goal, you're not going to get there very easily. So giving up that, you know, desire for that instant gratification, I think is, is important too. And learning to delay gratification. Mm, Yes. And again, thinking of future self, like my current self might want this thing, but do I want this thing more than I want my goals? And I'm not saying like, do I want carbs or do I want my goals? Like we're, we're very inclusive in our nutrition practice here at nutrition coaching with Nicole, but do I want to have ice cream every night? Or do I want to have ice cream every other night and maybe make progress a bit faster? So it's about thinking about that future self a little bit more than just like, what are my emotions telling me to do in this current yeah. moment? <laughs> I'm huge that. on thinking of about your future self. I just think that is the best way to make decisions because it really puts all the control on us. Then we get to decide how we feel in the future, which is, I think, really powerful once you realize like, oh, I'm in control here if I want to feel good and feel my best and have lots of energy and then I need to get to bed tonight and stop scrolling. I need to, you know, like you said, not eat ice cream every single night, just, you know, more, you know, a couple times a week instead of seven, things like that, I think are, are important when you sit there and think, well, how am I going to feel after I do this? I think it gives you all the answers that you really want. Yes. Actually, you just said something about um, going to bed instead of scrolling. And I have to tell you, I have to give one of our clients a shout out. We were messaging uh, later in the evening, which is not something that I typically do. So I'm sort of like throwing myself under the bus while I'm sharing this with you. But we were chatting and all of a sudden she was like, okay, well, we need to put our phones down because coach Lauren said that we shouldn't be like scrolling before bed. So I'm going to go and do my quiet time. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I think I was just putting love it. my client, but this is absolutely amazing. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. I was getting grief from my family about it the other day. They're like, what if you miss a text message or something happens? My husband has his phone. If there's an emergency, we'll hear about it. I don't like having my phone by my bed at night. I just couldn't break the habit of scrolling. So it needed to go. It works. And it shout does. out to this rock star. Cause she was yes, putting way it to go. practice, which it. actually this, I didn't try this, but it ties in perfectly with the next thing that I had written down as a big barrier, not knowing or failing to understand the difference between knowing and doing also called the knowing doing gap. So obviously knowing something is not the same thing as doing it. <laughs> Hiring a coach is not the same thing as implementing what your coach suggests. Wanting to be consistent is not the same thing as actually being consistent. So I think sometimes we struggle with, well, I know what to do. 
And that means it should translate to results. This is a huge stumbling block because you have to put in the work. You have to put in the time, which circles back around to the patience thing. Knowing that you're doing all the right things doesn't immediately get you to where you want to go. Like there's the doing, there's the buildup, the consistency that's required to actually create that end outcome. So this rock star was actually doing, not just knowing. Yes. I think that's a really important point to make because I think people get caught up in like that passive action of researching what foods they should be eating and following people on Instagram and reading all these like quotes that make them feel really great, but then they forget to actually do the action. So like the passive action versus the massive action, like it feels good to do passive action because it feels like you're doing something towards your goal, but without that actual, like you said, the doing part of it, the actual action, you're not going to reach your goal. No matter how much, you know, you have to put in the work. I also think too, Lauren, that a lot of people get overwhelmed because they think they have to know everything before Mm -hmm. the doing, but it's not like a recipe, right? You don't need all of the ingredients to bake a cake. Well, you do need all the ingredients to bake a cake. (laughs) Your life doesn't work like that. I'm not not a baker. I'm not articulating this well. Like a recipe, you need everything to start. You can't like make the recipe without the eggs and then add the eggs later, but real life doesn't work like that. You can know something and not know everything and then do take action based on what you already know, and then continue to add and progress down the road. Cause there's no way anybody's going to do 17 things at once successfully. So stop the passive action and just take active action on like one teeny thing. And you'll make more progress than taking passive action on 17 things. I think that circles back to the beginning of the conversation too. When you, when we see clients at really high expectations or expect perfection, you're not going to be perfect. So stop trying to research and find the perfect way to eat. You just start by, you know, sticking with a basic foundational habit and build on it from there and you failures feedback, right? So if something doesn't work, something doesn't feel great to you, then you learn and you, you know, start implementing something new moving forward. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again. And that is how a true lifestyle is built. One building block at a time. I'm realizing as we're having this conversation that everything's so connected, right? Like Mm -hmm. we have this list of several things, but they're often very like correlated. So I think this is, is very telling. I'm glad that we did this. The last one that I had written down as being, and again, there are like so many little stumbling blocks, but I think these are like the big ones that we help our clients to overcome the most often. The one that I had last is failing to factor for maintenance or periodizing your plan. So you and I know that fat loss cannot be a 365, 24, seven kind of goal. And we also know that real life happens. So this sort of goes with your like wanting to be super strict and all in and, and, just kind of like forgetting the rest of our lives. We can do that. But then this is where we run into the problem of people saying like, well, once I get back to real life or I can't wait till this is over so I can have a piece of cake. I've heard those things before. And it's just heartbreaking because that is not healthy habits that we're going to sustain. That's a diet that's going to die out after 30 days or 60 days. So if what you're doing isn't teaching you how to maintain your progress, 
when life gets busy, meaning I'm not going to just stop doing everything, but I still have these healthy habits that I can continue maybe to a lesser degree, because if life's super overwhelming, I may have to scale back. But if you don't know how to maintain without making or losing progress, you're in a really sticky, sucky spot because you're going to spend most of your life in maintenance if, if you're doing this correctly. So there's zero longevity to the plan where it's all in, all out, all in, all out, which we talked about already. So we have to know how to make progress and then keep it. And we know that life is cyclical, right? It comes in seasons. So we have to know that I'm going to be on this fat loss phase for three, four, five months. And then I'm going to take a break because it's summer and I have these vacations or my kids are out of school and we usually like to enjoy more frozen treats over the summer or right now, holiday season. Most of our clients are in a confident maintenance mode where they're like, okay, I'm not trying to lose body fat because I want to enjoy Christmas cookies. But that also doesn't mean that I'm reverting back to my old, less healthy eating habits. I'm continuing to take care of myself and prioritize my nourishment. I am just doing so in a way that doesn't also mean I'm eating in a caloric deficit and creating fat loss. But they know that they can go from this maintenance block to a fat loss phase if they want to, or to a lean mass building phase if they want to. So it's not all on or off the wagon. It's, oh, I can pause here for a minute while life is super crazy or stressful. And then I can recommit to my fat loss phase. Like that's what a periodized nutrition strategy is. And ultimately we don't want our clients to graduate until they feel so confident that they can maintain their progress, no matter what life throws their way. I think a really important point that gets forgotten a lot is that maintenance, maintaining progress, maintaining a new, you know, lower weight, if that was your goal, maintaining healthy habits, that is progress too. And I think that gets forgotten about. And it's almost the hardest kind of progress to make because a lot of people can lose weight, but can they keep it off? You know, were they doing it in a sustainable way that they can maintain it? Like you were saying. So if you can't, if you're not maintaining and you're only losing or gaining, then you're missing a huge part of the puzzle. And I just think clients get a little frustrated because a lot of the um, like measurements of success are based around numbers. And if the numbers aren't changing, then how do they know if they're being su- successful? And so if you start to measure other metrics outside of numbers and you can look more at like your habits, are you, you know, being more moderate with, you know, sweets and treats throughout the week? Are you cooking at home more? Are you getting in more steps? Things like that are really great metrics of progress as well that get forgotten about a lot. Those Are you feeling mentally more confident around food? That's a huge one that I think gets forgotten about too. I mean, that really to me is one of the top metrics of success that we should be looking at because I just want my clients to feel really good, confident, and comfortable in all food situations. Yes. As you were speaking, the little <laughs> light bulb went off in my brain. I was just reading through an exit survey that one of our clients filled out. This is something that we do when a client graduates. We say, hey, let's celebrate your success. Also tell us how we can improve so we can serve our future clients better. And when I asked her what she was most proud of, this is what she said. By the way, she has also given me permission to share this. Okay. <laughs> she said, without a doubt, I am most proud of my relationship with food now. My big powerful goal when I started was to change that. Of course, in the meantime, I wanted to lose weight too. But after all these years, I knew that there was much more behind trying to lose the weight than just losing the weight. Being able to put non-scale measurements into the equation has helped me move away from hyper-focusing on what the scale tells me. And now I listen to my body. It's been a game changer. A perfect example of what you just said. Amazing. Amazing. That is what a rock star client. (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. And I couldn't agree more. Like we have to, we have to disconnect from this numbers are everything diet culture. Um, I don't know what that would be like lesson that we've previously learned. We have to unsubscribe from that because so often you are making progress. It's just not visible or maybe it's not visible to other people, but you can feel it. Or maybe it's a non-scale victory or it's in the quality of your life and not in a number. And for some reason we think that means less or it matters less. It doesn't, it matters just as much, if not more, because at the end of the day, what is a number change on the scale? If the quality of my life doesn't change at all. Yes. I saw, and this is not my own. I, um, I saw it on Instagram. I can't remember where, but it was like for one person passing up on pizza might be progress. And for another person eating one piece of pizza without spiraling downhill is also progress. And so you just have to look at your own relationship with food and find out what is progress to you and what do you want to measure outside of those numerical metrics, which can be helpful too. I'm certainly not hating on them, but they need to be used in combined with these other more like non-scale victory mental type progresses. After hearing us talk about this, I'm like, whoo, no wonder we need help doing this, you know, because like hard. <laughs> these barriers are everywhere. And, and I don't want this to come across as like, we are holier than thou and never struggle with these things. We do also our clients. Absolutely. Do also, <laughs> I do. Yes. And I think that having someone in your corner to help you navigate these things is is part of why we're so passionate about what we do because there's, there's community here. We've been there. We get it. We understand why these barriers are so sticky and frustrating. And also we have seen the other side where these barriers don't have to hold you back and you can actually make yourself stronger and more resilient and make your progress more sustainable by knowing how to overcome these barriers in a way that doesn't feel completely defeating and like you're a failure. So, wow, this is just, yeah, that kind of popped out of, out of nowhere. Did we forget anything? Is there anything else on your list? I don't think so. I think we pretty much, oh, I had one that was kind of like um, when people assign like morality to food, but I guess that kind of goes into all or nothing. I just, I hate hearing like I was good versus I was bad today. I was good because I ate a salad, bad because I ate, you know, a slice of pizza or whatever. I, I would never want anybody to feel like their worth as a person is defined by what they've eaten. Mm. And I think when you do that, it really lends you, you know, to go down that spiral. All going back to that all or nothing thinking really. <laughs> totally. And allowing our identities to be defined by our behaviors. Like our failure means I am a failure. Me eating right. a bad food means I am a bad person. No, no. Just like no. Strip all of that from your psyche because it's not true. Yeah. Just like the way a body looks doesn't determine somebody's worth. What kind of food you eat doesn't determine your worth either or how successful you can be at reaching a goal. And I think exactly. that culture tells us that the opposite exactly. is true and messes us up. The only other thing that I had on here, which is not news to anybody is the comparison trap. Big, oh, big good one. barrier thinking she lost X pounds in X days, or she got her pre-baby body back or she, or she, or she, whatever comparison is totally unfair all the time. And it's also cherry picking, right? Like we see one portion of somebody's life and we're like, Oh, well I should be able to do that. Or I want that. And we don't know, like if they're super unhappy in their relationships, if they hate themselves at the end of the day, if they have a really disordered relationship with food, or if they've been working really hard for years to get to where they are. So it's just completely 
unfair and it's also pain shopping, right? Like when we want to feel really icky about ourselves, we compare because we know it's a losing game. So I think that would just be something else that we've heard time and time again, don't compare. It's a trap, but I do think it really is a barrier that we have to work to overcome because you and I talk all the time about how there is no one size fits all. And that goes for how you get to your goal, not just what you eat. Your body is unique, your lifestyle, your preferences, your goals are unique. And the nutrition strategy that you use to get to the end result is going to be unique too. And that includes your timeline. It's not going to look like anybody else's, but it's not supposed to. I think that's a huge lesson we have to learn. I agree. And I I do think comparison is, is human nature, but the first step is kind of like just being aware of it. Once you're aware of it, you can kind of stop those thoughts and and like recognize them for those aren't serving you and your goals. It's truly, I tell my clients, it's you versus you. That's it. That's all you have to worry about is just the you in the future, making her a little bit better. And that person that you want to become and start just taking those steps towards becoming that person. Now it's you versus you. That is all you have to focus on. So true. I think the moral of today's podcast episode is watch out for these stumbling blocks because they can trip you up if you're not able to notice and name them, if you're not aware that they might cross your path and you don't have to do it alone. If you need some support and you have a big, powerful goal and you want to work on your health or your nutrition in 2022, we are happy to help you. So we would invite you to fill out a coaching application and let's chat. We'll hop on a call and talk about your goals and what's going to work for your body. And we can talk about which of these stumbling blocks you struggle with personally and create a -a one-of-a-kind roadmap to help you overcome them and sustain your progress confidently. Lauren, what are you most excited about? for in 2022 when it comes to coaching clients through these barriers? I am most excited about helping women overcome the all or nothing mindset. Obviously we talked so much about that today and understanding and really finding that balance for each individual where they can enjoy their life and live their life in a way that does not revolve around food, that does not revolve around their weight They can feel confident and empowered to make really good food choices that nourish them and leave them feeling good while at the same time enjoying their life, you know, enjoying their kids, enjoying their family and their friends and their vacations and all that life has to offer and not let food be this negative impact on their life. Mm, I love that so much. I can't wait for us to help more rock stars yes. do exactly that. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I love to have you. Thank you. I know. It's so fun. Cheers to helping more rock stars reach their goals in the year ahead. Yes. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.